Hello and welcome to <laughs> In Ryan Murphy We Trust, our podcast. I'm Aurora. And I'm Kat. And this is our podcast where we explore the works of Ryan Murphy. This season, we are covering American Horror Story Apocalypse, or Asylum, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Take, take two. Take two. This season, we are covering American Horror Story Asylum. Last time, we went over episodes one and two, and today we will be covering three and four. I will also be going over some connections between Asylum and other American Horror Story seasons, and Rory will be doing a fun little history corner on the movie we see in episode three, Sign of the Cross. Yeah, I went deep into that movie. I saw. <laughs> it's really interesting. Yeah. To to only me. <laughs> no, but there's connections like within the why they're showing it, which I liked too. Yeah, yeah. Which I feel like you do get in the show, but I was just like, what is that movie? What's it all yeah. about? What's the what's the deal? What's the deal with Sign of the Cross? <laughs> At first, when you said that, I thought you were going to look up the history of the actual sign of the cross. And oh. I was like, wait, do they deal with that a lot? And then I watched the episode and I was like, oh, okay, it's the movie. That's going to be a lot more interesting. Yeah, because it kind of like parallels the show, sort of. Anyway, we'll get into it. Yeah, we'll talk about it. Okay, so episode three. Um, oh, what's the title? I forgot. Oh, Wait. Nor'easter. It's called... Okay. Uh, <laughs> I was like, it's something about a storm. Okay, yeah. so this one's called Nor'easter. Um, so the continuing little modern day, like modern story with Maroon 5, as I'm going to call him, and Maroon Je- and Jenna Dewan is back. You got her which, name right. Yay. Um, I'm like, do we really need this continuing? Like, no one was one. I thought it was just a cold open. Anyway, they keep going with it. It's like the third time we've seen these people. Well, they're gonna they're gonna combine past and present later, so it makes sense. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then I said, "Step up, three bloody face dance crew." (laughs) That's awesome. Um, Step Up is a good movie. Uh, The couple fights off, uh, fights off, and stabs who they think is Bloody Face before being chased down and shot by two more bloody faces. Turns out it was just some crazy teens who were trying to scare slash kill people. And then they're like, but who ripped off that guy's arm? What? What? (laughs) And also their masks look super realistic, like skin masks. Are the teens masks made up of human skin? Because, like, the kids are like, oh, who ripped off his arm? And then they see, like, they turn and, like, see, like, I guess the real bloody face. But, but like, the masks on all of them look identical. So I'm like, they made, they did a really good job those costumes. Yeah, I was like, this is some great cosplay right here. I feel like that was kind of, yeah, it was weird. So. Maybe there's bodies strewn everywhere that bloody face had killed. So there was ample faces yeah. for them to carve off. Yeah, so they were just lying in wait in this uh, abandoned mental asylum, waiting to scare people and like maybe shoot them. It's a real, it's really unclear. Um, okay, so and then Sister Jude uh, gets a mail delivery with a newspaper article about her hit and run accident. Um, then she has a conversation with Doctor Threadson, where she tells him that she's showing the patients the sign of the cross. To distract them from the storm that's coming, the the nor'easter. And I'm thinking, hey, if a big storm's coming, are you going to have electricity to run a movie? But that's just my own. Because I think, the, does the power go out? Anyway. Well, that's a, that's a concern they should have. Maybe more. It doesn't seem like the best activity 
for a storm, like uh, an electricity based activity. Maybe just have them go to bed. I don't know. Yeah. Or like um, be in the common room and they pray. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it just seems like a weird like thing that she's like it's just like the um main part of the episode is just like centered around this showing of the movie so maybe that's why it's there so sister dude's starting to get paranoid and trying to figure out who knows about her past so she's kind of questioning dr threadson who's zachary quinto the um mysterious sexy psychiatrist Um, then sister mary announces to the patients about the movie that they're that they're going to play and says it's a movie full of fire sex and the death of christians what fun (laughs) and that's what that's what made me be like what is in this movie yeah um one of the patients who they call the mexican is that what they call her they keep calling her like the mexican patient yeah um, so a, a patient who they call the Mexican kind of sees that Sister Mary has this, like, demonic thing going on, like, sees it in her eyes or whatever and, like, runs away. She's scared of her. Meanwhile, Kit, Lana, and Grace plan yet another escape attempt. Uh, Sister Jude is trying to dig up dirt on Arden. She has one of the guards spying for her and they're he's turn, turning up nothing so far. Sister Mary bursts into her office and she's wearing red lipstick and chugs some communion wine. So she, Mary is on one today. She's great. I'm loving this new Eunice. (laughs) She uh, mentions the year of Jude's accident and tells her that Dr. Arden gave her the lipstick. And here's what Sister Jude is like, doesn't think that it's sister mary who's the one like tormenting her even though it seems super obvious she thinks that yeah. Arden is behind it i guess so i had a note about this i liked in the first two episodes how we had eunice be the super timid really pathetic character yeah. and then we see her she's completely changed like you said and very composed self-assured so obviously something's different but it, it points out how self-centered Arden and Jude are and I also think it's yeah. a good strategy by the that's demon true. to like distract them with their own guilt. Yeah, that's a good point. So meanwhile in Psycho Doctor Land, Dr. Arden, the bad doctor, is interrogating kid about the nanobot that skittered out of him. He thinks someone is spying on his weirdo lab, which like why? Also, I but know, I, feel- I know it's like no one cares. <laughs> that technology is also so advanced like even if it, he's like was it the russians or whatever it's like he seems more concerned about finding who he's spying for rather than the, this insane technology that has never been seen before you know what i mean he's just yeah, like whatever yeah, he's whatever a, he's whatever, whatever little... nanobot well again shows how self-centered he yes is, he's, where he's just yeah. like yeah that these the kgb's after me or whatever yeah it's like dude you're missing the point okay <laughs> So Demon Sister Mary pays a visit to the patient who saw her for who she really is. And she has has her pray with her and then stabs her. And I'm like, wow. So I guess praying uh, and like the Bible has no effect on demons because she can like literally pray from the Bible. And yeah, but I mean, she's wearing a cross, too. So are these vampire yeah. rules? So, you know, yeah. That's, I'm just saying it's a fresh take on a possession because, like, the traditional things, like, don't affect her at all. So she takes the, the patient's body and feeds it to Arden's creatures in the woods. I'm like, hey, why are they just running around the woods in what is a suburban area? They have, like, unlimited, like, storage space, it seems, in Briarcliff. 
and a bunch of locked cells. I'm like, maybe just stick them in there. Like, how do they not run away? Yeah, they're outdoor cats. Just put them outside. They'll come back. They come back for food. You know? It just seems so insane. It is very insane. That I get hung up on the dumbest. I'm not like, oh, that couldn't happen because, or like, look at the angle of that. I'm just like, how would they not run away? Anyway. Well, it's also like, if you're trying to hide it, that's not a great strategy either. Because yeah, someone would at, spot them. Yes, exactly. It's yeah. not like in the middle of nowhere. It's like suburban. Like no, they show, totally agree with you. And so far, the creatures just look like people that are really afflicted with like syphilis or something like that's really that's all that's going on so that i can tell so far yeah but they're uh, obviously violent i guess have they kind of well yeah you'd be violent too if you got syphilis and then we're just thrown outside and just (laughs) fed raw meat and (laughs) like okay so are they being treated like animals and then they become animals or does whatever he does to them create make them like animalistic I i don't know there's no way to know. No way to know. Okay, so meanwhile, Sister Mary tries to seduce Arden, and he is disgusted. And this scene was interesting, I thought, because it seems like the demon, whoever's possessing Sister Mary, knows a lot about the people around her, including Sister Jude. But she, I don't I can't tell if she is, like, misreading Arden, or she is trying to provoke him into something by like freaking him out do you have thoughts about that i think that she knows that he is evil so she's very enticed by that and she is trying to you know uh amplify that evil okay but she also is trying to mess with him so she knows he's got this horrible relationship with women that's very kind of evil so to to do that also is just like her just i think she finds it fun she she really is just messing with him for fun yeah but it, it just seems like they have a great working relationship especially now that she's possessed and then she kind of ruins it by being like, you know what I mean? Yeah, I think it's a chaotic demon. It's a, it's it's like it's a not a very strategic like. Okay, we're trying to get these goals done. I think it's a very okay because yeah, yeah they, I'm like they have a good thing going. They're like doing evil stuff together, and then she just she could have really just a- been like, I'm your partner in crime now. Yeah, it yeah. just was weird, and but it also it actually does encourage him to um like it does drive him to like his dark darker side so maybe that's why because like it's not the like like his like desire for sex like causes him to do bad things and be violent towards like other women yeah but i I think you did make a good point because now now i'm thinking of jude like with the way she's dealing with jude and torturing jude seems more deliberate yeah it's much more she's trying to break her yeah. You know, so but I do think she is trying to mess with him while at the same time she is trying to kind of elevate him. It also doesn't make sense like trying to break Sister Jude if you're a demon because Sister Jude's clearly evil. It's like she's girl, I she's art. I don't think cle- Sister Jude, I think Sister Jude is a very troubled person, but I don't think she is inherently evil like uh, Arden is. Okay. She's broken, but she. Especially with when we see her trying to be like, okay, I know this is wrong and trying to sniff stuff out. Yeah. Uh, we see her doing that and she thinks she's doing the right thing. But I think she o- I think she's just a narcissist and she only cares about Arden insofar as he- she doesn't want 
whatever he's doing to Mess shame. Yeah, I don't think senior. I legitimately don't think she really cares about what the right thing is. I think she thinks she does though. Yeah, yeah, but she's they're both narcissists. But I yeah, mean, yeah, they're very self centered. I I really, but I I do think that she she believes she is doing the right thing. I do I do really believe that. Um, okay, so, oh, Lana asks Threadson to deliver a message to Wendy, her, her wife, uh, or common-law wife, and he acts like it's, he acts like it's a big deal, which I said was weird because Lana has done literally nothing wrong and is not a prisoner, which later he, like, confirms. So it's like, well, knowing, he, he wants, like, it to be, like, very clandestine, but, like, yeah, Lana's not a prisoner, and she's not asking him to, like, smuggle, like, drugs. She's just, like, give this message to someone. So it just seems very, like, he- like the weight they're giving to it. But I can see why Threadson is doing that, because he wants Lana to trust him and, like, owe him something, I think. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of like, oh, I'm doing you a huge favor. Yeah, which is, yeah, I just think it's ridiculous. Like, Lana's too, girl, be smarter. Um Something ain't right with that guy. Yeah. <laughs> um, meanwhile, Shelly, that's her name, right? Uh, Shelly, yeah. Uh, Chloe yeah. Sauvignon. Yeah. Shelly wants in on the escape plot and Grace slut shames her. That was horrible. <laughs> I know. I don't, I don't like Grace. Grace sucks. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She's like, oh, you yeah. want to, yeah, what does she say? She's like, oh, you want to escape so you can bang more guys? It's like, well, so like, what uh, if she does? Yeah. Maybe I do. Also, and then she's like, oh, I'll go to Paris. Like, they think differently there. Like, you know, and Grace is like, we left when I was six. And it's like, okay, Grace, like, shut up. She doesn't know your life. Get over yeah, it. She doesn't know your life. <laughs> um. So meanwhile, uh, Sister Jude confronts Arden about the lipstick and he and yeah, this is a good example of them not like communicating at all because at all. like she's like, hey, you gave Mary this weirdo lipstick to give to me. Like, what up with that? And he's just like, oh, Sister Mary's been corrupted by Briarcliff, which is like okay, but like you both are talking about different things. Yeah, and, and that that goes back yeah. to my point about like I feel like the demon yeah. strategy of just like distracting from the fact that Eunice is possessed is working really well. I do admire Sister Jude's how she just literally confronts anyone two seconds Me after too. anything happens. Because in shows when it's like someone says something and then they're like so and so said this, but then like if people just talked it out, like it would be cleared up, but they just don't. But she literally just confronts people like immediately. About yeah, that's anything. why I'm saying like I feel like she it is that she yeah. her character reminds me, like we said, Nurse Ratchet, but there's part of her that reminds me of Meryl Streep in Doubt, how she mm-hmm. is just so adamant in her beliefs and will not back down from the literal biggest patriarchy there is, which is the Catholic Church. And going yeah. against this priest. And um, yeah. just because she thinks something is going, something wrong is going on and he's doing something wrong. So I, I definitely get that kind of vibe from from Jude too. So Jude is being tormented by like the ghost or whatever of this of the little girl that she killed. She like sees her glasses. She like gets a phone call from her. So she starts hitting the communion wine hard. And then I, I, I wrote movie night is going to be lit. And I was not <laughs> wrong. Yeah. Um, the rate, there's a, a little, a small scene of the rate of the radio saying that people are saying, seeing strange lights in the sky. That was um, a good catch. 
Well, that's that's also like that plus the weird nanobot and Arden is not even a little like, hey, maybe aliens. I don't know. Because he's crazy. Like he, like you said, he's a narcissist and he's just like, yeah. someone's after my lab. But then it's like, ooh, what if aliens are after your lab? Yeah, exactly. They could be spying on you. Yeah. It could be everything. Yeah. Um. So Sister Jude gives an epic movie movie intro slash motivational speech and has a breakdown in front of everyone and i love her drunk acting because like sometimes when people are acting drunk they are like drunk one second and then the next second they're like diffusing a bomb and you're like what but she literally diffusing made, a she, bomb <laughs> she made no sense and was like slurring and just but not like not over the top, just like how a a drunk person would be. Oh, totally. I I loved your comment about that. I just uh yeah, because I I love good drunk acting just when they do it well. And like you said, I hate when someone is drunk one minute and then the next minute yeah. they're like, okay, fine, we're back on our mission or whatever. And I get it with a in like a show when someone has to snap out of being drunk really fast just to move the plot along. Because we can't just yeah. take care of this drunk character the entire time. <laughs> that night. would be funny, though. Yeah, so it's like, okay. Um, like in a horror movie, they're just like, the person's just drunk for the rest oh, of the yeah. movie. And they're like, if, dude, if I was drunk, I don't drink anymore, but if I was saw a ghost when I was drunk, that would not scare me. I Nothing scares me when I'm drunk, like, at all. I'd be like, what's up, ghost? <laughs> you you yeah. look crazy. Like the- You'd be a lot more okay with the situation going on around you. But that happens a lot in horror movies. Yeah, or people will be drunk, and I'm like, how are you scared if you're drunk? That but makes- also that they get sober right away and scared. Yeah, and just yeah, like, yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. It's a little tangent on real drunk behavior versus TV drunk behavior. <laughs> okay, so uh Dr. Threadson tells Lana that Wendy didn't answer when he called or no, when he went stopped by or no. <laughs> that Wendy didn't answer when he <laughs> called. So we went to the house um and like just like saw the door was open and like went in and then saw like some blood or like it was like he saw evidence of a crime but it was unclear like did he call the police? Has no one reported Wendy missing? She's a teacher, so I feel like she'd be noticed missing pretty quickly. He did say something about, like, alerting the authorities, but that yeah. they didn't care because, I think he said because Bloody Face was caught. I'm like, well, that doesn't matter. Yeah, when you say they didn't care, you mean they didn't even show up. They're like, okay, murders don't count. Like, what? Now that Bloody Face is caught. Yeah, and I'm like, No one what? needs to do anything anymore. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I said... Are the police so convinced Kid is bloody face that they're not acknowledging that other women are being murdered? That's exactly like, what he said, which is like, like that's what? insane. And she's just like, okay, cool. <laughs> um, so that convinces Lana that Kid is innocent uh, enough for her to like try to escape with him. Shelly saves the day, volunteers to help all of them by distracting the orderly by giving him a blowjob. She's like, I'll take one for the team. She totally took one. She took a huge one for the team. And then she wouldn't be able to escape either. Yeah. And then she's like, if I can't make it, like, you guys go. And, like, they're not even her friends. Like, they're mean to her. Anyway. Yeah, she was she was being awesome. She was taking, like, a giant bullet for them. Grace is, like, that girl who, like, uh, like immediately, like, needs to get the attention of all the guys and, like, is mean yeah. to the other girls, which yeah. I, hate, I hate that girl. She's like, I don't get along with other girls. <laughs> I'm not like the other girls. <laughs> That's great. Well, she very much is. Yeah. She thinks Shelly will try to come on to Kit, and it's like, yeah. okay, well, that's no reason to be doing what you're doing. Yeah. So, 
Um, Arden has a little freak out and s- smashes a Virgin Mary statue. That was cra- then- crazy funny. He like drew nipples on the statue. Yeah, it was weird. He has just like wrote has a freak out. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then he runs into Shelly and uh, it's like, uh oh, what's he gonna do? He's in a real tizzy. Um, Sister Jude bumps into a gray alien question mark. Yeah, I think that's what it was. Yeah. Right. But she was also seeing like ghosts and stuff, so who knows. Well, yeah, I was yeah. a little bit like confused. Like maybe she's hearing noises. For- there's a- okay, so there's like a demonic presence in the in the hospital. So there's that at play, and then we have Arden's creatures running around. I don't know if they're running below the hospital in the tunnels. Then and you have aliens, and you have aliens. So so who what knows if the what demon possesses the alien? Could the demon possess the alien? That is, is that a- what happens? No, that would be crazy. <laughs> Oh, that would be crazy. Well, no, because I feel like the demon could not possess an alien because it's not from Earth. I guess we'll never know. (laughs) Yes, this is one of those age-old questions. Could a demon possess an alien? (laughs) Um, Okay. And then Dr. Arden tries to rape Shelly, and she mocks his small penis, so naturally he attacks her. Yes, all... Hashtag yes, all men. I like how she says, you're seven feet tall. I thought you were going to be hung like a horse. It's an epic burn. It was an epic burn. (laughs) Because she's she's afraid that he's going to rape her. Which was kind of a disturbing scene. Oh, it was. It was, yeah. And then is like, oh, then she's like, what's going on back there? (laughs) Then she like laughs at him. If a guy's trying to rape you, do not make fun of his penis. Oh, God, no. Because he will kill you, but it was funny. So. I thought he couldn't get it up either, but it could just have been yeah. he had a small piece, and he couldn't get it up. There was two things maybe going on there. No, I think it was literally so small that she was like, what's going she on? She couldn't even feel it. Okay. It was like, a, no, I think it was like a micropenis. Okay, which would, don't make fun of micropenises, but if it's Dr. Arden, yeah, make fun of his micropenis. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Because he's crazy. And, and he's a rapist. Yeah. And a murderer, probably. Yeah. Yes. Um, okay. So the escapees, Lana, Kit, and Grace run into Arden's monsters and are forced back to Briarcliff. Oh, maybe that's why they're outside to prevent people from escaping? I don't know. I, I yeah, but, they're supposed to be like guard dogs. I don't um, I don't yeah. think so. But that would be a good strategy. <laughs> yeah. In in a funny twist. So Sister Jude's like still kind of drunk and she's like Okay, movie night's canceled forever. Three patients has tried to es- or escaped. Like this is awful, and you think it's gonna be Kit, Grace, and Lana, but it's she thinks it's Shelly, the Mexican, and Pepper because Pepper went to the bathroom and never came back. So R.I.P. Pepper. And the wish. Mexican patient is dead. And by the way, yeah. we're, we're that's the way they refer to her in the show. Yeah, I hear uh, a cat puking. Uh oh, don't edit this out. Keep this in. <laughs> Keep this in. Keep it in. Oh my god. <laughs> There's it. It's still going. I think it's because Don like grooms the kittens a lot, so he, it's like it's a hairball. It's oh, not... so that's actually really nice. Sure. <laughs> well, they're bonding. Okay. Whatever. So, yeah. and then Shelly. So the the Mexican patient is is dead. Shelly is in the office with. Uh, so that's why she's gone. And yeah. uh, and then yeah, Pepper had gone to the bathroom. So. So, and then it, it ends with Arden revealing that he cut off Shelly's legs. And it's like, he's not even a good surgeon. It's I know, like, right? What are, like, what are you doing? He's, so, he's just <laughs> like, doing random crap. Yeah, it's like, you're not even a genius. Like, get it right. Yeah, he's, anyway. he's such an idiot. Uh, yeah, anyway. 
Yeah, I don't know if you have any other comments. I had like one comment for this episode about Dr. Threadson. Okay. How and why is Dr. Threadson just, he seems like he's hanging around the hospital. Yeah. And he states he's only there to evaluate one patient. At the hospital, but he's, like, helping people install light fixtures and stuff like that. I was like, what are you doing here? Go home. So I actually know someone who works in, like, the, like, mental health and, like, the, like, what happens when someone's involuntarily committed and, like, how they have access to legal counsel and stuff. And, like, the lawyer has to work with the doctors. But if he's working for, like, the government or whatever, probably, he would have, like, a billion other people to work with work yeah for. it's like yeah exactly. like a billion other patients and i feel like he would have restricted access too to the to the hospital it's just like okay you're just here to see this one patient you're not allowed yeah. to just wander around and tell people yeah. how to like fix the lights like you know i don't know yeah he would probably be he might be like an outside person who like rotates from hospital to hospital and like but he would definitely have more than one patient I get what you're saying because like psych wards and stuff, they'll have yeah. therapists that are that have like an outside practice, but will come in to just focus on a couple patients at yeah. a time. But it would be like a restricted access thing where you're just oh, yeah. there for yeah. like one thing. Yeah, no one questions it. They're like cool. Yeah. Uh, the other thing I guess you had mentioned in the previous episode about the flashback that Jude has, and you were like, it just happened two seconds ago. <laughs> And technically, it was in 1949, so it was a while ago when the okay. hit and run happened. But yeah, they yeah. didn't really do much to age her down in that scene. The technology to age people down wasn't there yet. Yeah. Okay, so if you guys were like, what is the sign of the cross? Which probably no one thought but me. Um. I thought it was interesting. <laughs> Uh, it is a film, a 1932 pre-code epic by Cecil B. DeMille. <laughs> Cecil B. DeMille is considered to be a founding father of American cinema. Um, mm. And if you're like me, you know the name, but like, I don't really know what he's known for. And that the reason behind that is he's kind of just like a crowd pleaser type. Like he's like the Michael Bay of his time, I think, you know? Like, <laughs> That's a terrible you know, I, thing. Yeah, but well... Or, like, I mean, not Michael Bay. You know what I'm saying. Like, like James Cameron, where it's, like, good, but, like, not art, like, super arty. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Like, right. they're churning out hits. Yeah. And a proficient uh, yeah. hit maker. Um, so he made these, uh, the biblical trilogy <laughs> consisting of the Ten Commandments, King of Kings, and then finally the Sign of the Cross. So it sounds like a boring movie. Wait, so there there was three movies. That that's that's cool. Yeah. It was a trilogy. Um so the sign of the cross uh st- I don't know why I listed all the actors. I don't <laughs> So it stars Charles Lawton as Emperor Nero. A uh, quick background on Nero. He was the nephew of Caligula. Ever heard of him? <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> I highly recommend watch the movie Caligula with Malcolm McDowell's Caligula and uh, Helen Mirren as his sister. It's basically just porn. Anyway, (laughs) Um, so he's the nephew of Caligula, so you know he's messed up. Um, His reign was known for tyranny, debauchery, and extravagance. So that's, you know, okay, that's what this movie is going to be about. It's going to be, it's going to be lit. Like, it's going to be sex and whatever because it's like set in rome under the reign of this crazy emperor so eunice uh, said the right thing there yes yeah um okay so uh empress Pompeii is portrayed by claudette colbert um 
Papaya. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Um, but I don't care. Well, uh, Jude doesn't know either. She said like two different pronunciations. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, used her beauty to become empress and died while pregnant in the summer of 65. This is what it said on Wikipedia, and I thought it was funny. It said <laughs> the summer of 65, and I laughed. Um, when Nero kicked her in the stomach while she was pregnant. So that's Fun. the kind of guy we're dealing with. Um, so this is one of those movies where, like, the villains are, like, the main characters of the, like, they're the fun part of the movie, I think. And the actual stars, quote unquote, like, the romantic, the protagonists are Frederick March, who plays Marcus, a Roman soldier, who falls in love with Mercia, a Christian woman, played by Alyssa Landy. But, like, they are, like, whatever. I think it's pretty much about Claudette Colbert and Charles Lawton, um... So, in the movie, Rome is burned, Nero blames the Christians, and he wants them all to be executed in the Colosseum. So, Marcus is rounding them up when he meets Mercia, the Christian woman, and falls for her. He So, the plot of the movie is he's torn between his love of Mercia and his loyalty to Nero, and also, I think, Papaya is, like, into him or something. I'm mm-hmm. not sure. Um, called the wickedest movie in the world, the sign of the cross may have led to the Hayes Code uh, being, like, more widely used to clean up Hollywood films. Like, it was around before that, but it wasn't yeah, really... Yeah, it wasn't really enforced. Um, yeah, so this was, like, what made it be enforced. It was that crazy, <laughs> this movie. Um, pre-code movies could contain sexual innuendo, interracial relationships, profanity, drug use, promiscuity... Prostitution, infidelity, abortion, intense violence, and homosexuality. Oh, and also they could have bad characters, like, winning in the end, which is crazy that, like, That they couldn't do that, yeah. Yeah, like, like, so from, like, I don't know, the 30s to, like, the 50s, like, movies couldn't have, like, movies where the bad guy wins, which is so crazy. Yeah, I always thought that that was insane, because that totally affects story beyond, like, anything else. It's, like, the bad guy's had to have their comeuppance in the end. Yeah. But yeah, if they don't, if someone's like a drug user or something and they don't get their comeuppance, or like, let's say a prostitute, and maybe that kind of led to, I think that that's probably something that led to a lot of the tropes we have now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, which I always hate. But it's also like, how do you define like who a good person and a bad person? I think uh, you listed them. Yeah. (laughs) So you kind of could have that at least like implied in movies during the production code. But you had to have them, like I said, have their comeuppance. Yeah, and I always hear like pre-code whatever referenced. um, And I, I kind of knew what it was, but like just seeing it laid out, like all the things that like, so it's not like pre-code movies were like like showing full-on sex and like nudity. Like that's not what was happening. They were probably more just like movies today. It wasn't like that crazy. Saying pre-code makes it sound like um like unrated or something. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It wasn't just a total free-for-all. Yeah. They really should say like post or like haze code and then just regular movies. Because pre-code makes it sound like, ooh, pre-code. So the original pre-code cut of the sign of the cross feature features a lesbian dance scene where Marcus the soldier is like hitting on Mercia the Christian woman and she's like no and he's like hey other girl come and like do a seductive dance to get to get this girl going for me which is not a bad plan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like that's a really bold choice. <laughs> 
Anyway, <laughs> I don't know. At least it's better than him being like, well, then I'll just rape you because I'm a soldier. He's like, let me think outside the box. Yeah, no, you're right. Okay. Yeah, I thought it was good. Yeah. Um, a little surprising. Uh, and then so it's relevant because this is the scene where Lana excuses herself. So she tells Threadson, like, I don't think it's good for me to see this hot lesbian dance scene. So I'm going to go to the bathroom. And then that's where she makes her escape. But it's like, oh, yeah, that really wouldn't. If she's trying to, like prove she's not gay then yeah it would make sense for her to be like i don't want to watch this why are we seeing this movie yeah yeah no i thought that that was clever for her to do that um there's also cutscenes of naked women being attacked by crocodiles and a gorilla which we kind of see some of in the in the american horror story um episode uh, so, real quick, the film's art director, costume designer, and assistant director, Mitchell Leeson, who was thought to be gay, because uh, it said he, like, lived an alternative lifestyle, was the driving force behind the film's lush sensuality. Um, it seems like he was had, like, the artistic flair, uh, and, like, Cecil B. DeMille kind of relied on his eye for a lot of things. So he was like, yeah, it was kind of like, he was like, yeah, no, this is great. This is great, Cecil. Like, keep going. It's like, it, no, it's not too much. No, more, more like lesbian dance scenes, you know? He was kind of like, yeah. yeah, it's fine. Um, And then I don't know if it, I think it, sh- it might show it in the episode, but um, there's like these scenes where like lions are eating people and it just looks like really real. And I'm like, how do they do that? And it said that real extras were wearing costumes and the lions were just like going, like biting them. <laughs> yeah, there's some crazy stuff that they allowed in Hollywood, especially with like putting actors in danger. Yeah, because I was like, how did they achieve this? Well, there's oh. that movie Roar, I think. It, mm-hmm. I don't know if it was in the 70s, but it is just like insane and a lot of the actors got actually hurt. It was it was about like lions and these people, oh, and wow. it's supposed to be like an incredibly scary movie because this is like really happening. Um, yeah. So they're like gnawing on people's costumes, but it said they could. Oh, they couldn't get the lions to bite like the dummies or whatever. The lions were like, "No, I'm on my break. I'm a union. Like, I'm talk to union. my rep." <laughs> Um, and then it said, it said they, so they are gnawing on the extras and then they started peeing on them, which is just, I'm picturing the, and it didn't this say anyone terrible. was, oh it God. didn't say anyone was hurt or killed though. So I'm just picturing like these, like at these lions that are just over it. Like they know they're not allowed to kill anyone, but they're like, I'm going to pee on you though. Yeah. Yeah. They're just like, <laughs> oh, whatever. That's so funny. Anyway. Bad treatment of actors and bad treatments of animals. Yeah. Yeah. The Sign of the Cross was critically well-received and reinvigorated DeMille's career. Some Catholics even liked the film, but many others joined the Legion of Decency, which was the driving force to start enforcing the Hayes Code. Yeah. So a lot of the quote-unquote objectionable scenes were cut from the film, and the watered-down version was like the main main version and shown on like TV a lot. uh, until DeMille's estate reissued the original version in 1993. But, like, yeah, it would be, like, it would be, like, cutting, like, what I talked about, Caligula, taking all the sex out and showing it, like, on, like, TV for, like, families to watch. It's like, what are you doing? Um, and then one last note, uh, Claudette Colbert, who I think she became a pretty big star. She had previously only played young girls, but DeMille told her, I think they've got you wrong. You should not be playing these little girls. To me, you look like the wickedest woman in the world. 
would you like to play her? And uh, Colbert replied, I'd love to, which, yeah, I think that's a great part is being, if someone said, do you want to play the wickedest woman in the world? I'd be like, hell yes. Oh yeah. I would be totally down for that. Two things. If you are more interested in some Hollywood history, we have our season on uh, Ryan Murphy's Hollywood, where we have little deep dives into some great Hollywood stuff, uh, including a little bit about, about the code. So if you want to learn more about that, go listen to it. Oh, real quick. I posted some pictures um, from the movie and like the the guy who plays Marcus, like he's wearing like eyeliner. He's like very effeminate looking. And it's a lot different if you think of like, like other old movies where like the men are really like old and like grizzled looking like they don't do like that effeminate type thing that was more prevalent in like silent movies i think also the actress who plays the like christian she looks a lot like lily lily rob uh especially in some pictures um there's a picture of her yeah yeah i could see that definitely she got lily rob definitely especially if you did her makeup in a certain way she definitely has an old Hollywood look to her and I know in Murder House her character is from the 20s so that was a good casting okay so they have a kind of a foreshadowing when we're hearing what's going on in the movie we see a scene where Nero uh he talks about shifting the blame and framing the Christians and they talk about like them being like martyrs and so kind of the theme I feel like of this episode and the next episode is martyrs because we have Shelly the Mexican patient and Pepper they're kind of framed you know just like the Christians in the movie that was like foreshadowing for them being framed for the escape plan and kind of being martyred for that and then we see oh yeah then we have stuff with the next episode where there's there's some martyr talk in there too but definitely, especially with Shelley's character, she she took the bullet and was kind of the martyr and kind of a sacrificial lamb for these other patients to escape. So I thought that that was a nice kind of connection with what was going on in the show and the movie they were watching. Excellent point. Ha ha. So, <laughs> okay. uh, yeah, so I think we're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back and talk about the next episode. Hey, guys. We are back. <laughs> We're back in pog form. That's from The Simpsons. Stop making Simpsons references. <laughs> I don't even know what they're from. They're just in my head. It is know? weird. The musical they did on Planet of the Apes, that's... Dr. Sayers, Dr. Sayers. <laughs> did not realize that was from, from The Simpsons, but it was something I would just sing. Like, yeah, if I was watching, like, yeah, yeah. It was weird. <laughs> like, yeah, it's not voluntary. It just happens. Yeah, yeah. And it's not like I... I don't know. I watched, like, quite a bit of The Simpsons, but I got really scared during a Halloween episode. Mm-hmm. I got really scared when I was little watching one of those, and my mom wouldn't let me watch The Simpsons after that for a while. Uh, she was like, I'm not dealing with you having nightmares. I get why parents do that. They're like, fuck that. You're not allowed to li- watch that because you're keeping me up all night. I know. I don't know. My I, my parents let me watch, like, The Shining and stuff, but... um. I was, I'm such, was such a scared child, but I love, like, scary things. So, like, I, maybe they just, they must have just ignored me. I don't know what, or maybe. But if you're annoying about it, you weren't annoying enough about it. That's I think, why my mom made me stop. Like, if, I would just be keeping her up, because I would come into the bedroom and be like, I'm fucking scared. And she would, you yeah. know, come and, like, have to sit with me until I fall asleep. So, yeah. and, yeah, she got really mad at my grandpa once for having, showing my brother, and I killer clowns from outer space. And we were both very young at the time. So we did not get the camp of it at all. And it just scared the shit out of both of us. And uh, yeah, my mom got really pissed. And I think my grandpa just thought it was like 
Oh, a clown movie. This is perfect for kids. I I remember being scared by Mars Attacks, and to this day, I the sight of those little aliens freaks me out. Great movie. I uh, do one not of, one like of Tim it. Burton's best, in my opinion. Uh, I hated that. Ugh. No, but I think I would just quietly like lay in my bed, being scared, like keeping my anxiety to myself. And like, there's something about when you're really scared, it almost makes it easier to fall asleep because you're like so exhausted like i just remember falling being like terrified and then i just wake up the next morning yourself out and i'd be like what (laughs) happened it almost makes it like easier to sleep when you're well you got yourself so worked up and you got so much anxiety that you tired yourself out like okay if you're trying to fall asleep start thinking about ghosts being in your room and like get yourself really scared and i guarantee you you'll you'll fall asleep faster than if you just thought about like real life anxiety you know what i mean i'm I gonna try that tax. try thank it thank you roy because i do get i get, it really does work. i have a major problem with falling asleep because of anxiety so that is a weird tactic i'm gonna try it and we'll get <laughs> back to you and see if it works so anyway uh we should we should delve in yeah sorry <laughs> that's fine i'm i really want to this use is that. how i deal with my anxiety okay it's scare go, the shit out of go, yourself fear is better than anxiety <laughs> Um, I think that's a good way to put it. Okay. It's been a glimpse into my psyche. No, I think that that is a, what is the thing in Game of Thrones in the books in Song of Ice and Fire? Fear cuts deeper than swords or something. So it's like that. Anxiety. (laughs) How would you say it? I don't know. Anyway. So the summary for episode four. So as you had stated previously, Jude blames the escape attempt on the Mexican patient Shelly and Pepper. Everyone thinks Shelley successfully escaped during the storm, but she is still being held and experimented on by Arden. He injects her with something that he claims will make her immortal? Question mark? But with syphilis? I know. I feel like he's, yeah, he's not doing this right. Why cut off her legs that? I don't know. So she couldn't get away? Um, But she can't get, okay. (laughs) She can't get away anyway. She's like locked in the... Yeah, I think that was like kind of a, I don't know if that had anything to do with an experiment. Or maybe he thought maybe her legs would grow back after. Mm. Maybe. <laughs> Threatson offers to help Lana get out of Briarcliff by curing her homosexuality. He is obviously up to something because he then tells Kit he will lie, saying he isn't fit to stand trial if Kit promises to face the truth of what he has done. He proceeds to try and manipulate Kit's memories so he will confess to being bloody face. Kit clings to his innocence, but Threadson starts to get inside his head. Another note I didn't write down, but about how Threadson's up to something. No one else is paying attention during the movie and the escape attempt. And he's the only one that spots Kit, Grace, and Lana come back in, like, short of breath, soaking wet. Yeah. All at the same time. And he's the only one that spots him and he doesn't say anything. Yeah, he doesn't care. So he's, uh, yeah, there's something going on there. So a new mysterious patient arrives at Briarcliff. She freaks out when she sees Dr. Arden. So Jude takes her to have a chat. The patient claims to be Anne Frank and that Arden is actually a Nazi doctor who experimented on patients at Auschwitz. She tells Jude his real name is Hans Gruper. Not to be confused with Hans Gruber, the villain from Die Hard. That has always confused me when I watch this season. <laughs> Jude is doubtful but intrigued by the Arden Nazi connection. So Kit and Grace get caught having sex in the bakery, and Jude decides that their punishment will be sterilization, which is a pretty extreme solution. 
Two detectives questioned Dr. Arden about the sexual assault of a sex worker. One of the detectives is Scully from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Love it. So cool. Jude joins them and they reveal that Arden has Nazi memorabilia in his house and that they suspect he may actually be bloody face. Wait, so do they follow up on what happens with that? I, I'm not sure. That was the end of kind of that in this hey, episode. good on the detectives for believing a sex worker and actually following up yeah. on that uh, tip because that doesn't ha- happen a lot. <laughs> In Brooklyn Nine-Nine, they're like the ideal police precinct. (laughs) So it's like, oh, we got Scully there doing some good stuff. Uh, Lana decides to let Threadson treat her, but the treatment turns out to be a humiliating type of aversion conversion therapy. Oh, quick note about this. Yeah, I I don't know if you're going to say what I was thinking, but... Oh, I don't know. (laughs) Well, it's just the conversion part. They drag in like a third-party patient. Yeah. Is it's that like what you're gonna talk about. Well, yeah, like a male model. I'm like, where was this guy? <laughs> yeah, he's like the long hair. And he's but, got like a shirt off. Yeah, like it's kind of like obviously it's like conversion therapy is awful and like it's demeaning. But the way that she like is like crying at like the idea of having to touch a penis, it's like okay, like well, I, I much don't know. worse things have happened to you. I well okay so this is how I took it so I understand what you're saying but I it was took it as so like, funny to me she well, yeah it was very intense <laughs> but uh, I I took it as the uh, like aversion part she's getting these drugs pumped into her where she's yeah. constantly vomiting so that's a lot and she's made up in her mind like I'm gonna do anything to get out so she yeah. she's down for this but that was a lot and he's showing her pictures of like hot women and one of them ends up being Wendy yeah so which I was like how do you get this sexy picture of her in the bed I guess when they yeah get she the should have questioned that first of all yeah I it was like Wendy did he say Wendy gave this to me or I don't know maybe don't he said know. he found it in the apartment but I'm like why are you snooping in the apartment yeah yeah. Anyway, so that's a lot. So she's already emotionally gone through also, a lot. Also, I don't, think, I don't have, think someone would have super sexy feelings about their long-term partner. They'd be like, yeah, it's like looking at a sack of potatoes at this point. <laughs> looking at a sack of potatoes. It's like, okay. <laughs> you're just a bag of flour to me. That's what your loved one I wants could not to be less aroused when I look at your stupid face. Like, yes, I will have sex with you. relationships. But like, come on. It's not like, ooh, I'm getting hot in hell. Well, I think it was more, that was the messed up part, because it's like bringing (laughs) that in was like just more of emotional, uh, like emotional torture for her. So it was just like a really messed up thing, especially with what she had just heard about her and stuff. Also, I had a thought about aversion therapy. Okay, if you're going to pump her with like nausea drugs for the bad part, then shouldn't they be giving you, like, some happy drugs if they for the positive rate? Like, I'm like, let's get this going. With the conversion <laughs> part, then yeah, it's then like, start, yeah. It's like the 60s. Give her some of the good stuff. Yeah, like, give, her, you give her some, like, Valium, I don't know, yeah, something to I chill her I, out. Yeah, yeah. They, give you, they gave you, like, speed, like, candy back in the day. Like, give her some Coca-Cola with cocaine in it. I don't know. A Coca-Cola with cocaine. Yeah, wine with cocaine. But my, the mess up thing I was talking about with the conversion thing is they bring in this other patient and he's like... He's down to clown. He's down for... I'm like, I don't care how down he is to do any of this. This is completely unethical to bring in oh, this yeah. third-party patient. And like, I guess oh. just the sight of this beautiful man who's very, like, feminine looking and then her looking at his penis and being 
being like, uh, it was just too funny. I'm uh, yeah, sorry. I, I have a dark sense of humor. I think it was just too much for her at that point, though. Yeah. Because if it was, if they hadn't brought in the Wendy picture and the vomiting and then like all Maybe that. spread it out over a couple days. Threatsing. Oh, yeah. He was really like. He was yeah. like, let's go for yeah, it. Shouldn't that be like separate sessions? Yeah, because just because you're not being pumped nausea things, you're still nauseous. Yeah, or like, yeah, that's our aversion part, and then the conversion part comes later, and maybe, okay. So yeah. again, again, this makes it be like, okay, Threatson is up to something, and he's not the most up and up. Yeah, he's like, I just wanted to try this for a little bit. And Sorry. do a really weird, intense version, and yeah. do some, like, unethical thing with some other patient. <laughs> yeah. So he later goes to her and apologizes for the misguided attempt, and promises to get her out. Jude tells the Monsignor about her concerns regarding Dr. Arden. He dismisses her, but then calls Arden and warns him that people are on to his weird shit he's been doing in the lab. So cover up your tracks, Dr. Arden. Oh, weird quick, uh, one more quick thing about, um, the thing, uh, the conversion thing. Also, I'm not saying it's conversion therapy's funny or whatever, um, but it's all just the scene is so bizarre and Threadson seems to kind of be getting a weird satisfaction out of yeah, it, which yeah. I'm sure. So it's like, it's like a weird, like, it's just a weird scene. Like, I don't know. Well, it's also just like more red flags for him. Yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah, the portrayal of it was, was very bizarre. <laughs> so <laughs> Kit learns the truth about Grace, like how she got to Briarcliff, that she brutally killed her family. Afterwards, he goes to Jude and confesses to being bloody-faced, saying he can't remember the murders, but that he must have committed them. Arden drags the Anne Frank patient to his lab. She pulls a gun on him and shoots him in the leg. Uh, She then hears banging from a cell door and opens it to find a deformed Shelley begging to be killed. End of episode roll credits. Uh, So the thing about Grace, her story, okay, so wait- so wait, she wait. Did she kill her family? Okay, so at the beginning of the episode, like I, I didn't put this in, but at the beginning of the episode, she she lies to him and says she was framed by her right. stepsister, I think, and yeah. her boyfriend for yeah. killing the mom and dad. Yeah. But then Kit gets a hold of her file and learns that like she actually did it, and then she says that her dad was abusing her sexually throughout her life. Yeah, but what's the deal with the stepsister? What happened to her? Because, like, couldn't she have vouched for her and been, like, like, did her sister turn against her or, like, well, what I happened Well, I mean, if that? the sister, if she brutally murders the two parents and the sister has no knowledge of the abuse. So she killed, oh, I guess because maybe she killed the girl's mother, right? Because it was yeah, her stepmom. Yeah, step-mom. So stepsister. Yeah. I don't I, know. Yeah. It's also, it's also weird this is bad. like that he molested his own daughter but not his stepdaughter usually it's like that's something that does happen too, oh, okay where like he was probably abusing her before he met the stepmother i'm not buying trying what to hide is selling. It. well yeah i don't buy anything yeah also it's also like so hard for like a petite young woman to get like fully like can con- con- have people convinced she committed like brutal murders and, like, actually, like, like back in the day, people were like, women can't do that. Uh, yeah. Like, look at Lizzie Borden. She got away with that shit. I like how we haven't, we didn't talk at all about Anne Frank. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, oh, there's, there's two main episodes on Anne Frank, so we can get more into yeah. that in the next one if we want to. 
Okay. Well, quick cue. Um, so when she's talking to Arden, is she saying that she's not Anne Frank and she's like a like a spy or something? But she knows who. But he really is a Nazi. No, is that what's happening? no, she is totally claiming she is Anne Frank. Okay. and she got away. And my martyrdom thing with the last episode kind of applies here too, because Sister Jude's like, well, how? When she's questioning her, she's like, well, like, why didn't you come out and say like you're? Why don't you try to contact her father and all this stuff? Yeah. And uh, she was like, well, it was better for me to be a martyr because people were actually paying attention to what happened in the Holocaust after my diary was published. Yeah, which makes perfect sense. And yeah, and, like, I, if that was I, real, I that was absolutely would be the right call for. If Anne Frank survived. No, I thought she had like a kind of a convincing argument yeah. that she made to Sister Jude where I'm like, oh my God. Is she Maybe really she is Anne Frank. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So did you have any other things you wanted to talk about with this episode? Uh, No, I think that's it. Okay. So I wanted to go over some connections between Asylum and other American Horror Story seasons. Our previous recording, I already mentioned that the character Pepper was also in Freak Show. And in that season, Sister Eunice is the one that admits Pepper to the hospital. Sarah Paulson's character, Alana Winters, also makes an appearance in Roanoke and Cult. And in American Horror Story 1984, Leslie Grossman's character is buying up famous properties where horrific crimes took place. And one of those properties is Briarcliff Manor. So the most interesting connection is another one from Freak Show. Jessica Lang's character in that season is named Elsa Mars. The season place takes place in the 1950s, but in one episode, Elsa reveals that 20 some years ago, she worked as a dominatrix in a German brothel. And in 1932, she was the victim of a snuff film where several men, including Dr. Arthur Arden, cut off her legs. We also, in that uh, that same episode, I think, and in some other ones, we also learn more about the doctor's background and how he ended up in Briarcliff. What? That's crazy. I didn't yeah. know there were so many connections between the seasons. I know, me neither. Like, I, the Pepper one, you know, came to mind. The Arden one, I, I thought maybe something, so I looked it up, and then I was just looking up the other one. So there, there is a lot of connections here. Wow, that sentence of a snuff film where someone's legs get cut off is so... It's like, I love horror, but come on, Ryan Murphy. I don't want that image in my head. That's it's just very so... Over, it's very just, over the top, too. Uh, I don't like things where people are, like, alive, but, like, uh, I don't like vivisection. I don't like... Yeah. <laughs> call me crazy. I just don't like... That's awful. What? What? Yeah, yeah, it is very bad. I mean, he has, like, a lot of these kind of gross out... Um, I know. Gore, not even, like, gore porn... But, like, those gross-out things that are just very nasty to think about. I really can't wait to watch Roanoke because that was, like, one of, like, the actual, like, scarier seasons with, like, ghosts and stuff. Yeah, I told you about that. I felt like especially the first part of the season was, I I was like, wow, this is, like, a real horror movie. Oh, also, um, before we wrap up, you should definitely watch The Nick. But I, like, put it on because my mom, like, loves Clive Owen and I'm, like, I'm obsessed with the show. And the guy in Roanoke, the, like, husband, he's, he's like, one of the doctors in The Nick. And he's oh, in cool. a bunch of stuff now. Okay. Um, so the opening scene of The Nick, there's this doctor's, like, shooting up heroin, like, go- rolls into surgery. And it's this, like, big, 
like the surgery theater and they're bringing in this young pregnant woman and it's another doctor who's like the main like surgeon and they're like we're doing this new thing we're gonna like get this baby out like everything's great and they do the surgery and I'm like <laughs> I'm like okay I bet they're both gonna die because that's how all their surgeries go so it's like the opening scene in like a doctor show you think they're gonna like save the day and then just like the the mom just bleeds out and the baby dies and that's the end of the scene and it's so graphic <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's my right. mom was like what is wrong with you why do you watch this and I'm like what? it's Steven Soderbergh Magic Mike? Magic Mike XXL? No, he didn't do that one. I didn't realize he did the Nick. Um, I really have wanted to watch that show for a while, but I thought it was just on Cinemax. But someone had mentioned it was on Showtime, so I'm going to look into it. Because I like old-timey doctors. So when they're figuring stuff out, you know? I always thought that was interesting. I haven't really been watching anything lately. I know. I've been been really, like, non-committal, too, for stuff. Everything, I was reading, like, the best of list, and everything just doesn't, like, not, when I read the summaries, like, it doesn't excite me, like, like, nothing, like, The Queen's Gambit I heard was good, but, like, just reading the summary, I'm like, no, hard pass. It sounds boring AF. It wasn't boring, but it was, and I love it that was actress a ridiculous. So much. It was, the show was kind of, it was good, but I don't know. The, like, tag, or, the, like, the summary is, like, a girl's, like, real good at chess or whatever like that's it <laughs> it's like well oh. she was a total mary sue character i'm like there needs to be more of like she's losing she never yeah. loses a game until like yeah. one point it's ridiculous and like she learns how to play speed chess after wa- playing like one time with this one guy so it's, yeah. it's a lot of ridiculous stuff like that and then the character development was off for me um also jojen from uh game of thrones mm-hmm he is a main character, and I feel like they, him and the main actress look exactly alike. They do! They so, do! Spoiler alert, they have sex, and I thought it was Ew. really weird, because I'm like, you guys Ew. are basically brother and sister. I don't sister. like that. I know, um, I didn't like it either. I was talking about the flight attendant, and the summary for that, I just read this, it's like a flight attendant... Gets drunk, wakes up next to, like, this hot guy she slept with, and he's dead, and she has to, like, solve the murder. Like, that grabs me. That sounds amazing. That's like, a great you, elevator pitch. You, here's yeah. the show. And yeah. here's what I'm saying. These shows now, they just don't, they're they're trying to be too prestige. The elevator pitch is not good. Yeah. Like, The Crown. Um, Let's dramatize life of the most boring monarch of all time. The Crown, I'm always, like, I, I'm always interested in for, like, a couple episodes, and then I kind of binge it, and then I fall out, because you gotta pay attention, because some of the history stuff is cool in there, but yeah, but it, it does get boring. It Everyone does else get is just so boring. much more interesting than Queen Elizabeth. So yeah, like, well, that's why, why I like the other people, like, But it's like, make a show cool. about someone else, then, maybe. Well, there's been a lot done about this uh, particular queen. Yeah. Um. Yeah, no, I agree. There, There's definitely, like... A cu- there's like a couple things that there's not a lot um on right now like new stuff that i've been like super into um and before we one last thing before we close out i read today that the guy who did uh oh my god riverdale is rebooting true blood what it's gonna be awful <laughs> you haven't seen riverdale right no but you've shown me clips it's not good yeah i'm not so <laughs> i watched sabrina a little I was, bit of that did you do sabrina no, but it's, like, in that same Archie Yeah, but it's, like, thing. better. I don't know. Well, apparently he's also trying to reboot, like, Pretty Little Liars, and the comments on Oh No, They Didn't were, like, someone needs to just stop this man, and, like, <laughs> he just is, like, 
Oh I don't know. God. It's going to be so bad. Uh, I really, yeah, that show was fucking perfect. But I'm don't going to re- watch it. Don't reboot it. I Oh, I started listening to on audiobook the the books, finally. I thought you'd be happy Yay! with them. Do you like them? Okay, there's stuff I like about them, and I feel like when, when I get past the first book, I'm going to like it more because it's not so directly from True Blood. Yeah, like oh yeah, on. yeah. But it's, it is exactly what I thought. They're not as fun because, like, yeah. there's just so much fun that they're having in that show, and it's so actor-driven. Yeah. And I don't like that it's not coming from different people's perspectives. So yeah. we're not getting, like, Tara's story and Lafayette's story and things like it's that. Not, it's more, like, cozy than, like, fun. Yeah, it's like cozy, I did get that sense, and I did like that. It's so that a I, good, like, winter, like, it's a very cozy, like, she. I feel like she writes, like, cozy mystery types, and they turned into, like, this weird sex show, which is great. But, like, it's it's a different thing. I like yeah, them both for different I need reasons. Yeah, I need to kind of separate myself a little bit from the show, what I'm expecting because of the show and what I love about the show show and yeah that um and and i'm assuming the plots get very they diverge a lot from the actual show at a certain point right yeah okay so i think i would like that more uh but there was stuff i liked about it but i definitely was just like why isn't it as like campy and crazy (laughs) yeah i mean it's i don't know yeah it's just like a comforting like yeah I don't know. And I did get anyway. that sense. I did get that sense from it. Um, so <laughs> I, I did get cozy. I got I, very yeah. Let's do it before cozy. bed. Yeah, like, yeah. No, I, a I, mug of cocoa. I will, I will, like, keep up on it. But um, definitely, it's definitely something where I also, like, was listening to it and I was like, I just want to watch the show. You know? uh, yeah. <laughs> do you have any shows to recommend? Because I have, like, nothing right now. Yeah, like what I was talking about. Like I, I think I think you would enjoy the Queen's Gambit. It, it is pass. It's pass. no, it's it's fun though. It's not it's not boring. All right. Yeah, like I said, it's it's has some problems in it. Um, and the first there's something that happens in like one of the first two episodes, which is really hilarious, where she's just like chowing down on pills, like a cra- like eating them like jelly beans, and I thought it was the funniest thing I've ever seen. Like handfuls, it was crazy. <laughs> Of what pills? I it, they were this va- again. It was one of those things where it's just like these vague pills that were like, okay, these are some Wait. kind of tranquilizer, and they don't say what they are. Was it written by like a five year old? I know, like, I know. It's I like know. she, she episode two. She she's on pills, and then like, you see p- these pills in like different um settings, and it's just like okay, so they just look the same everywhere you go, and it's just, yeah. yeah, it was very and they were okay. The biggest thing were they were limitless pills. So she would take these pills that were addictive and bad, but at the same time they were limitless pills. They made her very smart, apparently. So is it like a, is it like supposed to be like surreal or like? Yeah, no, not really. Kind of. There's surreal aspects to it, but or they what's didn't... the um what's the word uh thing where it's like real but like kind of fantasy? <laughs> no, I get what you're saying, and I feel like there was scenes in there they didn't commit to to one thing or the other. You know? Yeah. Okay. So Weird. so there like is a little messy. I would I would say watch like the first episode see if you like it and if you're just out on it whatever, uh, but no I we've been watching like I know you wouldn't want to watch this but the Mandalorian um, I watched the first episode yeah it's, it's I love Baby fun. Yoda I have a Baby Yoda poster next to me right now we just got a Baby Yoda ornament so that was fun I mean I do like I will watch it for Baby Yoda and just watch True Blood again <laughs> yeah it's too much it's too emotional. 
It's not that emotional. The second time you watch it, like, if you watch it multiple times, you're you're in it for the fun parts, not the... Yeah. Because, yeah. like, the romantic... Because I was getting, like, Twilight vibes from the book a little bit, and that was, yeah. I think, unfair for me to even say that, because it's like, okay, it's because I'm coming from it from, like, another place, you know? Yeah. But I definitely... The romantic stuff is very eye-rolly after, like, the first watch. Yeah, And then you're just true. in it for, like, all the other craziness. Yeah, I I do like how in the books I feel like they portray her as like they per- portray Sookie better where she's it's not like all about men. There's a lot of times where she's just like over it. Yeah, and then they like come to her and she's like, "Fine, I'll help you." It's not and like they did she's, that a little bit. In yeah, her. yeah. I also don't like when there's like a character that like everyone for some reason is just like incredible. Like every guy is just like into her. Like, yeah. in Weeds. But like, it's because uh, she's, she's a fairy. They explain it. But, yeah, with the, vampi- <laughs> with the vampires, yeah. it makes sense. But then, like, everyone else, it's like, what? True. Like, like, they did that with Mary Louise Parker, who I think is super attractive. But in yeah. Weeds, it's not realistic that everyone would just be super, like, attracted That's true. to her. So that always kind of bothers me, too. Maybe she was the executive producer and she's like, everyone wants to have sex with me on the show or I'm leaving. Okay, bye. That would be That's cool. what I would do if it was my show. <laughs> That was in her contract. She won't do anything. It's like, okay. Anyway, yeah. Thank you guys for listening. You can join us next week where we're going to be discussing episode five and six. And you can find us wherever you find your podcast at In Ryan Murphy We Trust. You can check out our previous seasons on American Horror Story Apocalypse, Ratchet, and Hollywood. You can also find us on Instagram at Downward Facing Death. Um, and if you are listening to this and you aren't one of our family members, please <laughs> email us so we know people are listening. Uh, it's downwardfacingdeath at gmail.com. Because I've seen, like, people – there was, like, a few listeners in the past, like, week who I know aren't my mom. Yeah, so yeah. someone's got to be listening unless it's you just, like, putting it on. <laughs> yeah, uh, but Ratchet was a, a very fun one, and we've gotten, like, quite a few listens on that, so. Yeah, so just email and say hi. And... Oh, yeah, say if you like what we're doing, if you don't, whatever, we don't care. But also, great if you could give us five stars, that would be amazing. Oh, yeah, rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts. Yeah, that would be great, because that can just help us grow. So, yeah, thank you guys so much for listening, and hopefully we will see you next time. Okay, thanks, bye. Bye. Bye.